0: Well, hey there. Welcome back to another episode of the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Porterfield. And today, guys, I've got something extra special. And that is that I am interviewing Rachel Hollis. However, she is coming to my house. We are recording in my video studio. So in about an hour from now, she is going to be coming to my door, walking up the stairs of my house, coming into my video studio, sitting here with me, and we are recording face-to-face. Now, that might sound really, really cool and exciting, but I am genuinely nervous. And the reason for that is, one, you know, guys, I do a lot of notes for these interviews. So she's going to soon find out that I've got notes and I'm going to be reading my notes and I've got a flow for this interview. So I'm not super casual, chatty, conversational during interviews because I want to make sure that every minute is worth your time. But I know the universe is testing me this year. I know that I need to step out of my comfort zone of having everything so documented and regimented in terms of how I deliver content so I'm just going to go with it. The other thing is I'm nervous about the technology. I'm not going to be using my traditional mic that I use right now, my Heil mic that I use for podcasting. And I have a little mixer box that I use. I'm not going to be using that equipment because we're going to be sitting in my video studio and it's easier to use my video equipment to record, which means we're adding an extra element a video. We might use some of the video just for fun, but that's just kind of a byproduct. I'm using it so that we catch it on the mic as well. So it's just going to be all around different. And it's a little awkward when you're sitting right next to somebody sharing a microphone, interviewing them. So We're just going to see how this goes, and I'm excited about it, and I think it's going to be extra silly. I'll tell you right now when Rachel and I get together, we laugh a lot. We're going to be off the cuff a whole lot more than I would normally be, and it's not going to be the smoothest transition into the audio. I already know. So just go with it, okay? Just know this is a different type of episode. It's going to be a little bit more quirky, and that's okay. So a little bit about my guest, if you don't yet know who she is, which I would be amazed because I feel as though the world knows who Rachel Hollis is. Like, if you ask my dad, I feel like in some weird way, this retired firefighter living in Prescott, Arizona, my father, is going to know Rachel. Just because she is bursting on the scenes wherever you are, you've heard about her, you see her books in every airport you walk through, every bookstore, and she's on stages across the world right now. And that's pretty exciting. And we're gonna talk about it because when I tell other people about Rachel, like if I'll tell one of my girlfriends about my new friendship with Rachel, they'll say, I feel like she's like an overnight success. And I know that's not true. So we're gonna talk about her journey and what it looked like to get to where she is today. Also, she's been called a modern day philosopher. She's been compared to Tony Robbins. I mean, there's been a lot of hype around who she is and what she's all about. And I'd say she's a motivational speaker. She inspires, she's a business coach. She's a life coach. I mean, she's in so many things, but what's really cool about Rachel is she's totally relatable. Like your best friend sitting with you on the couch, talking about all the things. And I know this because I've had that exact experience with her. So you might have heard me mention on a different podcast episode that I had the opportunity to go on a girl's trip with Rachel and Jenna Kutcher. The three of us started talking over text messages, and one day Rachel said, we need a girl's trip. And I can't even believe we found the time or made the time, but we did. And the three of us went to Blackberry Farm in Tennessee, one of my most favorite places, And we got this little farmhouse, stayed inside for three days, yoga pants, sweatshirts, glass of wine, and we just talked about all things business and life and husbands and babies and everything in between. And it was a really awesome time. I'm so glad I did it. But that's where I really got to know Rachel more and more. And what I can tell you is how she is on stage and how I'm sure she's going to be in this podcast and how she is in her book and all of that is the exact same way she is in person. And I think that's unique these days. I think a lot of people show up one way on video and another way in person, not Rachel. And that's what makes her extra special. Now, today we're going to be talking about her brand new book, Girls Stop Apologizing. And in this book, she talks about the excuses we make for playing small, You know, I love that theme, right? The excuses we make and the behaviors and skills we need in order to play a bigger game and go after exactly what we want in this life. So the message in this book could not be more perfect for the theme of this year That I have been talking about over and over and over again with you. I highly recommend the book. I want you to check it out. It is out the day that this episode goes live. So you can definitely get your hands on it. And it's something that I want you to read and then probably reread a few times and really let it sink in. So I won't make you wait any longer. I'm going to shut down this intro. I'll wait for Rachel to come. Then we're going to jump into all things, girls, stop apologizing all right. I'll talk to you again soon.
1: Can I tell the story about the very first time I did the Amy Porterfield podcast?
0: Yes, because we didn't even know oh, each other we didn't know each
1: other, and it's a huge deal, and you and your team are very professional, <laughs> and you have to have a call with the producer yes. first, and they go over the things and I just remember like. You, if you don't do this right, like, she's not going to let you be on her show. It was, like, the most prep. Like, I was so nervous. Okay. It anyway. was serious yeah, stuff.
0: And was. I was nervous. And do you remember we kind of had uh, an audio issue the first yes, time? Yes, because had to I
1: didn't know that you needed to be connected directly into the Internet.
0: Oh, that was why it was a problem. This was So I learned later we had to redo it. It was a whole thing. It's a whole thing. <laughs> and here we are. And here we are. Since that Since that time, we've become fast friends, we went on a girl's trip, we We text all the time about the craziest stories, and now I get to interview you about your upcoming book. I know it's just audio, I'm going to show anyway. Girl, stop apologizing. Yeah! So, tell me this, let's just start from the top. When you woke up this morning, Mm because I know you have a crazy schedule, you get out of bed, what's your first thought, like real first thought? The, I'm going to give you super
1: honest answers instead of like for. the varnished whatever. Yeah. Um, I am exhausted. I I'm wonder. exhausted. Yeah. I'm real tired. And it's not the kind of, a, it's not tired like I didn't sleep well last night. It's like, it's basically been four weeks of just nonstop keynotes. I recorded the audiobook, traveling constantly. I'm, I'm really tired. And so right now, when I open my eyes, my actual first thoughts tend to be kind of anxious, mm-hmm. tend to be, I'm tired and I don't know how I'm going to do this keynote today, tend yeah. to be that. And so it's without conscious thought. That's what will first hit me. And then I have to lay in bed and truly do some work Take nope, you are the most positive person. You know, this is a blessing. Remember when you used to pray for this, I've got to mentally get myself there. And I also, within the first hour of waking up, I have to go work out.
0: So it's, I see that on social media a lot. Like, you're really doing it.
1: Because to me, that is, it's one thing I can control every day. Okay. And if, and, and I'm not even, this is not, I'm not going to do a boot camp. I'm not, <laughs> okay. like, I'm maybe going to go jog. This morning, we, we were so lucky we got to go jog on a um, little trail by the beach, which was beautiful. But I have to move my body because doing something that makes me feel physically strong yeah. makes me feel mentally stronger.
0: I got gotcha. you. So I
1: can't always control my thoughts, but I can control my body. And so I told Dave today, I said, I'm, I worry a little bit that my workout is becoming a little bit of a Dumbo's feather because I think like, oh, you have to have this in order to sort of stay mm-hmm. this person that you want to be. But uh, it's a healthy Dumbo's feather. It's going to say if you're going to have one. Yeah. And in the past, I've definitely chosen unhealthy things. So this feels very healthy. So my initial thought right now in the mm-hmm. season tends to be a little bit worried or
0: anxious. And so I'll have to do the work to to get to um, a better state. Here's one thing I know about you. You do the work. So whatever might be coming up, you're always honest about it. You'll do the work. And throughout the entire book, because I read it all, I it, there was a central theme of doing the work and mm-hmm. showing up. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to start out with, before I get into all the questions and dive into all the details, there also was a central theme in the book about people-pleasing. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. Because I've gotten the privilege to get to know you personally, I would never say you're a people-pleaser. Oh like, my god! funny. All. And you guys, she walks into a room, and, and I mean this, I'm saying this as one girlfriend to another. She walks into the room, not only does she own it, but you have a saying around that. Like, you know, you walk into the room and, and you, you feel her presence. But also, she... When we talk about stuff, she's never talking about worried about what other people think of her. And I'm guessing there was a time that you did worry yeah. about that cuz I worry about yeah. that. Yeah. Well, so I talk still to me. um
1: I I probably don't talk about it publicly. I'm sure And I think that I've I've let go of a lot of people pleasing for the people that I know mm-hmm. where I struggle with it now is strangers being mean on the internet, mm. um, which is so dumb. Like, of course, if you came to me and you were like, Oh, people are being mean. I'd be like, screw those. Right. <laughs> out. I would say something much worse than that. But, um, I don't, um, I don't struggle with my family or my husband. And that was something I really, like a lot of women, I think dealt with for a long time, but I do still, it still, it still gets me. And actually, um, I think I told you this, that I got to talk to Marie. Yes. Um, which is so name-droppy. But I got to talk to Marie Forleo, and she's so sweet and wonderful, like you said she was. And she said something that I thought was so great, which was, don't put yourself into potentially triggering situations when you're hard. When you're hard. I'm
0: I meant to say hard situation. <laughs> okay, just stop. I can't, I can't even breathe. Okay, I didn't, I didn't even remember what
1: you no, were talking about. there we We're people-pleasing. Okay. Don't put yourself into potentially triggering situations when you're tired. Tired. When you're PMSing, when you're exhausted, when you're hungry, when you're like, don't put yourself into those situations because you're not strong enough. And I think the people-pleasing tends to bubble up
0: yes. when I'm
1: not at my best, when I'm not intentionally seeking out the best version of myself. So, I think a lot of people do. I think most of us are raised from the time we're little girls, especially, to oh, she's so smart, she's so pretty, she's so sweet, she's so we learn to value the opinions of others almost exclusively
0: over the opinion we have of ourselves. Oh, so true. But here's the thing. I feel as though, sure, you're still struggle with it when it when it comes up here or there, especially on social media, but When it comes to, and would you agree with this, when it comes to your big dreams and your big goals, you kind of don't care what other Mm -hmm. people think. Yeah, I think that's
1: one of a few areas in my life where I really can just let go of other people's. I mean, it's her podcast, everybody. I turn off the phone, Amy. Wow. Um, And I'm able to let that go because there are certainly things that still get to me, but I don't care what you or someone on the internet or even my husband, even the people that love me most, they can have an opinion about the goals that I have for my life or the dreams that I have for my life, but it doesn't affect the way I feel about those dreams and goals. Because I think something really dangerous happens when you bring someone into your goal, desire, dream. It will immediately shift in some way. Yes. 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 So either... Even if someone loves the idea, Mm -hmm. they'll immediately start adding to it and kind of shaping it in a direction that maybe you wouldn't have taken it. Or more often, if you're a dreamer and you start to speak the ideas into the world, like I'm married to a pragmatist. So he'll be Mm. like, oh, babe, like you're already overscheduled or you're already this or how, how or what? Or he starts to go down the sort of worry train and. I will really easily get pulled in that direction. I start talking myself out of the idea before it's even had the chance to kind of root itself and and grow. And maybe my idea is terrible and maybe it would be a huge waste of money, but I need to be allowed to kind of work that dream out for myself and not
0: take his input in. It's so important. I love, I mean, I see it every day that you own it and you have these big audacious dreams and goals that, Mm -hmm. yeah, and you're not even embarrassed to put him out there in the world. And yeah. I think we all need to do. Yeah, that, so. I was.
1: We actually were talking about this last night because my husband and I just came through, you know, three full days of meetings, the kind of meetings where there's been real success with the book and all of these things have happened. And so everybody wants to meet with you. Mm-hmm. So like, oh, how do we collaborate? What can we do? Everyone. You know, yeah. And people say, like, where you go from here? Like, what's the goal? And I say to everybody, Oprah. And Even fancy people in Hollywood at like agencies and whatever, whose job it is to dream big and crazy, even they are like, oh, and not in an impressed way, but like in a, okay, you know, but here's the deal. How dare I, for a living, write books put things on social media, talk on podcasts, and tell you to pursue your dream. Because for a lot of women listening to this, signing up for a 10K is as scary to say as me saying I want to be the next Oprah. I agree. And so it's disingenuous of me to tell you to have the courage to call your dreams, to name them, like Babe Ruth calling the shot, to write them down every day. How dare I tell you to do that if I can't do it in my own life? Yes.
0: Ugh. I have no doubt, no doubt this big audacious goal is happening. Well, so, I feel like
1: it's like if Oprah and Ellen had a baby. Because <laughs> I feel yes. like I got some
0: funny jokes. You do have some funny me. jokes. That That is true. Okay, so here's the deal. The book. Here's my favorite thing you said, like not the profound thing, but right from the beginning you said this is the most tactical advice that I've ever written. I hope so. And I'm all about it. I'm all about the action and the grittiness and the honesty in that. And so all of it. So the way you broke down the book is you did three parts, excuses and then behaviors and then skills. Mm-hmm. Right. So I thought we would take one from each part. Great. Good. All right. So we're going to break it down, guys. And this is my favorite because the way Rachel explains each of these, you're going to see them in your life. Like I have no doubt in my mind. I know I did. So this first one, I, I handpick this for you guys. I handpick this for my audience. I know what you're thinking and feeling, and you're going to get this one. So excuse, I don't have enough time. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I had to pick two excuses because yes. we have a lot. Yeah. So let's go for the for this one first. I don't have enough time. They've got big goals. They're Schedules are insane. Mm-hmm. Who has time to pursue these goals when you've got a million things going on? Yeah,
1: you have the time. You're just using it on other things. Ugh. You know, and I, believe me, I'm living this out in my own life. We all are have crazy schedules. We've got businesses to run. You maybe you got kids to raise, you've got a you're in a new relationship that mm-hmm. certainly there are things and seasons where you feel like you've got less availability to pursue the dreams of your heart. But don't get it twisted. You have the time. You are just choosing something else as a priority, which is allowed, by the way. We, of course, they you know, hey, this is the season where I am really devoted to growing our family, and that's going to take time and energy and whatever, and I've got to be present in this space right now because mm-hmm. this is what matters. Yeah. But don't say that you can't pursue the dream because you don't have time. You absolutely do. You just chose this season to use the time for something else, and there's nothing wrong with that.
0: Okay. So tell me this. When I worked for Tony Robbins, one of the most profound things he ever taught me, and tell me if you heard him say this before, but you have to get uncomfortable in order to go to the next level. Mm -hmm. Number one, I want to know if you agree with that. Number two, I have this thought that a lot of people won't make the time for the hard stuff because they don't want to feel uncomfortable that much.
1: Absolutely. I haven't heard him say that quote, but it's absolutely right. It's easier to stay here. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't even say that it's, people will stick with what they know, even if what they know is uncomfortable. Yeah, that's so true. It's, it's not, I don't know that it's even about like, you know, that's going to be hard. But if you were honest with yourself, a lot of the things in your life right now are hard too. They're just the hard things you know. you know. Yeah. Better the devil you know than the devil you don't. Yes. Um. So I, gosh, I was, I was at a conference years ago and I heard. I think it was Robert Hershevik. Is that his name? The shark? Oh, yeah, yeah. Random yeah. Um, speaker. It was great. <laughs> but he said, this thing he said, he was talking about getting clients. And he said, remember, people will stick with good enough that they know rather than the, uh, the possibility of something better. They've like they there. will stay yeah. here. Be, even though they know that might be better, they're not sure. And this, they know what happens here. So yeah, you it is uncomfortable and it is hard. And what I think is amazing I feel like you would agree with this too, is that when you're earlier in your career, I really believed that if you got to certain levels, it got easier. Oh, a hundred percent. And it's, it does harder. Not. It it's does. harder. It's harder. It's like new level, new problem. Mm-hmm. Now, there are some great things that happen when you get to certain levels. So like I get to sit in a nicer seat on the plane. Right. But the amount of work I'm doing is... I've never worked harder in my whole life than I am right now. Amen to that. So um, I don't know. I guess it's being uncomfortable is the price of admission. I totally agree. It all comes with it. And whatever you want to pursue for yourself is going to come at the expense of your current comfort. It's going to come at the expense of getting to watch Netflix for Mm -hmm. hours at a time. It's going to come at the whatever the goal looks like for you. And in the book, it is... It's not just professional goals. It's also personal goals because either way, just being in pursuit of something, I think will change your life for the better. But no matter what you're going after, this quote has been all over Instagram. So forgive me because I don't know who it's from, but it's the, the price of your new life is your old one.
0: Yes. You know,
1: like this is what you're going to have to give up to be the person that you want to be. It's hard as hell,
0: but it's worth it. It's so worth it. It's worth it. I totally agree and I love that you're just honest about it that you have to give up one thing in order to get where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think I think yeah. that's just the truth. But but the the timing thing, I just want to
1: I, I don't want to like leave off on that for a second. You have to look at your calendar and decide what stays and what goes. Yeah. And knowing that there's nothing like I don't know if we've ever told this story publicly but Amy You guys don't think that Amy can be, can I say a cuss word? Yes. You don't think that Amy can be a hard ass, but she is (laughs) such a hard ass. Like it's a super secret truth that she needs to reveal more to the world. But we were on this girl's trip and I was talking about going into the 2019 year and I was very stressed out and how in the world am I going to do these things? And, she's a hard ass, but she's also like very sweet about it. So she's just like, okay, I just, I have to say something to you and I don't want to hurt your feelings, but Uh, I really have to say, and I'm like, okay, you know, thinking sweet Amy's going (laughs) to say, and she's like, okay, you are responsible for this. You are a grown woman and you are in charge of your own calendar and you need to stop playing a victim about the time. Like you got so in my face and I needed it. Even right now, I still have to constantly go back and go, you're in charge of this time. There's nothing in your calendar that you didn't agree to, Mm -hmm. that you didn't put there, or you didn't allow someone else to put there for you. So, stop saying you don't have time. Call it what it is. It's an excuse. And that's okay. It's okay. Yeah. People will, I'll get the angriest notes about this and they'll say like, well, you don't know, you know, I'm, I'm raising a son with special needs or you don't know. I have an aging parent or you, there's nothing wrong with your priorities, Yes. but then be honest about like flip the script on that instead of carrying shame or saying, I don't have time because. Flip the script and say, you know what, this is the season where I am devoting myself to my family and I'm going to help my son to flourish. That's what I'm doing like right you now. own it. Own it. Yeah. But, but if you keep saying you don't have time, then somewhere deep inside, you're going to start to blame that person or that season on why you're not where you want to be. Ooh. And that just breeds bitterness and contempt. So just own what it is. Maybe it's not this season, but if you want the thing, you're going to have to fight for the time to make
0: it happen. Okay. And exactly what you say in the book, because you talk about the five to strive. Yeah. And talk to me about that.
1: Yeah. So, um... For the longest time, which I for sure somehow stole, basically everything is like stolen from Tony on some level, um, and then repurposed for my own means. And I only shout that out to people who know his work so you're not like, wait a minute. Um, But he had something. He had something when I went to the first UPW years ago that was about the things that you need to do to thrive. And it wasn't my things, but I liked that idea that you could sort of make these rules. So I had years ago started saying five to thrive, which are the five things that I believe drastically changed my life. They're daily practices that I do. And when I was looking at how do you set a goal and how do you actually work to achieve it? I thought five to strive. So So this is what you do to like live a good life, but to pursue a goal, it's something else. And it's just, can you commit to five hours a week in pursuit of your dream? And that doesn't mean one hour a day. That could be, you know, two, two hour sessions and one, one hour session. Maybe it's a Saturday where you get five full hours, but can you commit to five hours? And it pisses people off. I piss people off a lot, but if you don't have five hours in your week, you don't have a life, right? I I mean, mean, and and that might mean guys, that might mean that you got to get up at 5 a.m. And that might mean that you have to work after the kids go to bed. And that might mean that you have to fight for that time, but commit to those five hours and keep them sacred. Like if you say that you're doing it, you know, if you say on Saturday, I'm going to go three hours, then you
0: better commit to crushing it with the three hours that you have in front of you. Exactly. Exactly. You've got to commit. It never comes off your calendar. So let's, okay, we're moving on. We're moving on to excuse number two. I'm not enough to succeed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not enough to succeed. Yeah. So here's the deal. That one is very loud in the ears of my listeners. Mm -hmm. And the reason for this is that they look at everybody else and they're like, I cannot even measure up. Yeah. So talk to me about this one because it's slowing them down. Yeah.
1: I think that we all have our personal brand of not enough. Yes. All of us. And sometimes if you ever spoke your enough into the world, people would be like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But this is the narrative that we have in our head telling us the reasons that we suck. Um, so for me, my personal brand of not enough in business was I'm not smart enough. Mm-hmm. Like I really believe like I'm not smart enough to take this to the next place. And I hovered right under a million dollars in revenue for years. Yeah. Like And I just like couldn't break that thing. I just like couldn't get over the million dollar mark. And I listened to a podcast, which I feel like I told you about no. this. It's uh, Clay. Clayton something. Oh my gosh. He does infusion Oh, songs. yeah. I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. So he did an interview on entree leadership, which okay. Amy will put in the show notes. Yes. She loves the show <laughs> notes. Um, I think his name's like Clayton. I know oh, that something. name. So he's, he's like the guy that started it. If he's song. listening, he's like, ladies. I know. Come, come on. on. But he it was such a good interview. And he was talking about for so many entrepreneurs, a million dollars is like a psychological threshold. For it's sure. It's not. It's not that you don't have the business or whatever. It's a psychological threshold. So for me, I hovered below that forever. And I, one of the things that I struggled with most was business finances. Mm. And by the way, this is something that so many small business owners struggle with and yes. they will not own it. Ever. I keep standing on stages and, and saying to very successful people, we'll talk about you know like the difference between profit and revenue. And I can see it in their face. It's a deer in a headlight. It's like, uh oh, uh oh, nobody called me out. I'm like, yeah. dude, people are not owning their business finances because it's scary. Yep. They don't look at it, they pretend that they know. And if you are listening to this right now and you're like, that's me, I don't understand a PL, I don't know the difference between a L and a balance sheet, I don't know what these things mean, you are hurting your business. You need to take ownership and it's scary and it's hard and it's all the things. And I know because that was me, but by not understanding the finances, I wasn't able
0: to truly scale the business. Okay. So this is the part I'm so glad you brought this up because when I was reading this and I I know you're going to talk about this story, but it was such an aha moment because you said we attempt to fix our problems by doing something that in no way resembles us personally. Yes. And I thought of like 10 ways that I've done yes. that in the past. Yeah. So talk to me. What happened? Well, it's like we, 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 okay, we, we're self aware.
1: We understand we have a problem. We decide we're going to fix it. And then we try and fix it how someone else fixed it for themselves. Yes. Personal development is supposed to be personal. It's supposed to be how do you fix the thing that you're struggling with? For me, not understanding accounting and I've always really struggled with math. I decided that I was going to sign up for the most expensive, hardest, small business accounting program I could find, which was Harvard Business School. Of course you did. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go. I'm going to sign up. HBX. I sign up for the class. It's so freaking expensive. I watch the video. And even the video confused me about what they would teach me. And I'm like, well, that's a sign that it must be good. This is good. Yeah. So I start taking this class. And... I'm getting good grades and I'm doing well in my quizzes or whatever, but it was so stressful because the amount of time that it took for me to do well in that class meant that I was taking time away from my business, which was the whole point. Um, I didn't retain any more knowledge so I could take a test really well, but Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I had learned. Like, I still can't tell you one thing I learned. Sorry, HBX. (laughs) Um, also now I felt this sort of, I, I wanted to prove to myself that, look, I am smart and right. I need this certificate to prove that I'm smart. So I, I got about halfway through the class and I'm like, this is idiotic. This is a waste of my freaking time. And I dropped out and man, that's a lot of thousands of dollars that you never <laughs> get to see again. But I realized, okay, I've made a mistake with how I do this. So then I asked a better question, which was, are there ways that I could truly learn to understand accounting for my business in the way I like to learn? Great. So I love a conference. I love to read. I love pot- that it, I'm self-taught and those are my means of learning. So I just went to every conference I could find on business. I, Oh, I made myself go to the accounting part, which I mm. never gone to before because I hated it. And at, it was at one conference where I Keith Cunningham, who, you know, I love, he gave, if anyone, if y'all ever get the chance, he has books. And if you ever get the chance to see him speak live, you totally should. Best stuff out there. Yeah. But yeah. It, was, it was like business accounting for dummies. Yeah. And it was taught in a way that was engaging and interesting. And I remember sitting, I was at a huge business conference, and he was teaching, and I'm down front, and I was bawling. Stop it. No, I was bawling. <laughs> Cause it was the first time I understood. Oh, and it's like, who cries over counting at a business? Rachel does. Someone who thought she wasn't smart enough to ever understand it. So if there's something that you're struggling with in your business, I swear to you, the answers are out there. But if if you don't learn in a, in a classroom setting, don't go to a classroom. If you've never done well with a gym, ber- gym membership, don't think you're going to start now. Like there's so many different ways to get to your goal. And if you keep obsessing over trying to do it how Amy does it or how Jenna does it or how Tony does it, like you're never, it's never going to resemble
0: you and you're never going to fully have ownership of that. It's so true. It's so true. So I want you guys to think of, This excuse that you're putting out there, you're not enough to succeed. What does your enough look like? Mm -hmm. Like not enough. What does that look like? And then what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Because the last thing I'll say before we move on to the next thing is that there's a flip side to the fact that, okay, so first of all, if you feel like you're not enough, that is an opinion. That is not a fact. Mm -hmm. But the flip side of that is you can't keep blaming everything and everyone for the fact that you don't think you're enough. Yeah. And like
1: the The antidote to you're enough is the knowledge that makes that untrue. Yes. But you're never going to gain the knowledge if you can't like hold that mirror up to your life and go, okay, this is what I'm struggling with. And this is crap. And I want to get past this. And what are the steps to do that? There is a way it's like, you don't believe that you're physically strong. And the thing that would make you feel physically strong is to run a 10 K but you won't even try because you don't think you're enough to run a 10K. It's like this self-fulfilling prophecy that you're never able to get around because you won't just take the steps to get around it. Yes. It, like, it seems so simple that I, I always feel like the answers are very simple. They're not
0: easy, but they're very simple. Yes, I, I love it. Oh, good thing we have this video. She just kind of gave us a like, oh, there you go, done. Mic drop. <laughs> Okay, so we're moving on to the behavior, because remember, she's got excuses, and then behavior, and then skills. And so the behavior I want to identify and talk about is, this is a this is a big one for you guys. You're not going to love it. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. It's not their favorite. Choose one dream and go all in. Now, you are speaking uh-huh. to multi-passionate entrepreneurs that wear that as a badge of honor.
1: Great. Okay, okay.
0: <laughs> well, here's, okay, okay, let's be real. <laughs> Coach Rach, (laughs) we're going to be real.
1: If that multi-passionate approach Mm -hmm. was super successful for you, then you don't need this advice. There you go. Right? So that's the litmus test. If you're currently pursuing four things or two things and it's very successful for you, then disregard. But my gut says that most people who try and take on a lot at one time struggle to make real traction in any of those areas. And I describe it as like, imagine you're on a soccer field okay. and there's six soccer balls on the field and you only get um, six kicks a day. And so you go up to each soccer ball and you kick each one. You go up to the first soccer ball, you kick it the second soccer ball, you kick it. Imagine the difference if you just chose one soccer ball and you kicked it six times. How much further down the field you can get?
0: Yes. And so yes.
1: I am super passionate about the idea that you choose one thing and you go all in. And I don't mean that you can't pursue all of the passions of your heart, but you can't take them on simultaneously. Like, for instance, a lot of us at the new year were like, "I'm gonna get in shape. I'm gonna take the business to the next level. I'm gonna get my dog to stop, you know, pulling on the leash. I'm gonna, do, I'm gonna do all these things." And for me, and, and maybe other people are better at that than I am. But for me, when I try and pursue multiple goals at once, I really struggle. And most of the time, I end up quitting on all of oh, them. Yeah. And now I feel shame, and now I've taken away my motivation. Versus, if you can just start with one area. So like, if I can just decide that I'm going to get physically healthy, like I'm going to do something every single day that makes me physically strong and I'm going to get physically healthy. Once you have established that as a routine, that's a habit in your life. It cannot be touched. Then you get to go to the next passion. But I just don't think it's possible to really see results. Now, certainly if you want to make baby steps in a bunch of different areas, if that makes your heart happy, you do you. But, but if you want to see
0: like real results, you got to go hard. You got to go hard. And I'm 100% behind this. I've been telling my students this forever. And here's the deal. Talk to me about, and I want that they're going to see this and what they're doing. Or some people, some listeners will. You have this concept of dreams versus cool ideas. Yeah. So yeah, this happens a lot
1: with, with our friends who get super passionate about a bunch of different things is... You're like, well, I'm I'm gonna get my real estate license, and I also am gonna start an animal rescue, and I'm a singer songwriter, and I'm this, and it you're just talking about stuff that's cool. Like you're just that would be good, and I'm kind of a good singer, and maybe I should do this. You're just kind of throwing random things into the universe versus. You got a dream on your heart. You got it. You can't let it go. You can't get it out of your head. It keeps coming up over and over and over. It's consuming. Yes. There's a big difference between like a passing fancy and something that consumes you. And I know I'm a, have family members and friends who are every time you talk to them they're onto something new, and that's just their nature. They're really into a bunch of different stuff. But also, I've never seen those family and friends super successful in any one area because frankly the second that it gets hard yes you tell yourself that you can just switch oh you know what I never really wanted real estate I actually my passion was to start the animal rescue yes and then the animal rescue gets hard and you're like you know what I wasn't really into that I get to be a. you've always got you've always got a plan b me and you there's no freaking plan no plan b like You want to take the island, burn the boats. Okay, you you said it in the book. I got
0: chills because you know I've said that forever. That is my favorite thing. If you want to take the island, you have to burn the boats. I forgot to tell you that if we ever use this video, we have to look at the camera, Yeah, not at we've us. been using this have been looking at us. We look but good, though. But we do. And the
1: light's nice. You know what? It'll make it better because it's very real. We're like, <laughs> like, we're like not even looking at each other. We're right. like, uh-huh, uh-huh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I got it. Okay. Um, but this is my favorite thing. And I do believe, no excuses. Yeah. And I want to explain that Yeah, that talk saying, about it. Because just in case people don't understand this historical good. reference, and I don't remember which figure it's... I have no idea but, it was a historical like, reference. Oh, yeah. So no. it's like... If someone was going to go conquer a new land, yes, um, meaning you want to take the island, you want to take the new land, the way you do that is you burn the boats. Meaning, if my men don't take this island, they die. Do you not? That's the reference. Okay, is we don't have a way to get back home. So, if we don't take this land, then we're all dead because we don't have a plan B. We can't get back on the boats and go home. We're here. And I want to be really careful because I'm thinking of some people that I know who would hear that and they'd be like, you're right. I'm cashing in the 401k. Yes. I'm moving. Like, don't be crazy. Don't be dumb. (laughs) Don't be dumb. We're not saying that you put your family at risk. We're not saying I, there is a way for you to make a commitment internally that there's no going back. Yes. You want to know why I'm successful. You want to know why I have what I have. I just kept going. Over and over, every freaking day, I just kept showing up and trying again and trying again and trying again, 15
0: years, and here we are. Okay. This is the best segue ever. Are you ready to I'm get ready. into the, the next thing? Like, thanks Always. for setting me up, girlfriend. Always. It's like okay, I knew. Because the, the last thing I wanted to talk about was the skill. And the skill I chose out of the book was persistence. Yeah. And I wanted to start this podcast out by saying this, when, but then I held off and held it till here. Great. So get ready. <laughs> what I wanted to say was every time I talk about you, like to anyone that kind of is paying attention out in the internet, they will say, she just came out of nowhere. It's like, <laughs> she's just like famous overnight. Yeah. I hear it over and mm-hmm. over again. I get it a lot. And I know that's not true, mm-hmm. but sometimes you feel like a unicorn to me. And I yeah. tell you this because you're making these big things happen. Like the stuff you tell me, I am blown away. But please remind us all yeah. that you didn't start yesterday. No. Okay. And what what is, you know, it is, it's 15 years
1: of work and effort and trying. And I also think it does seem a little bit like a unicorn right now. Like, you know, we have a bunch it of mutual does. friends in this space and they're like, asking, how do you do this? And what do you do? And a really interesting thing about our business that, if people are in marketing, trips them out. Is I don't know how to do a Facebook ad.
0: You guys we don't have, have any marketing. You guys budget. know the stuff sometimes that Rachel doesn't know how to do. <laughs> I don't know how to do. It makes me mad know. because I'm like, what? Why yeah. do your numbers look yeah. like that? And
1: you don't know how to do a yeah. Facebook ad? I have no. So we don't have a marketing budget at all. I don't. I have <laughs> zero dollars are devoted. No 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 no, 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 no. I know. I know. That's like <laughs> so. Now we're supposed to say on this kind of podcast, but I don't know how to do it. What I do know how to do is build an audience. And I That's have insane. spent, you know, 15 years of doing this, but really 10 years of learning my audience. How does she think? What does she like? How do we create content that speaks to her? Knowing what her style, her aesthetic is showing up for her every freaking day for a decade. So that if I say, hey guys, I have a new book or, hey, we're doing this conference or, hey, she shows up for me. And yes. She's like, You've been giving me free content for 10 years. Let me let me return the favor. So I have no idea how to do the ads and stuff. <laughs> the stuff. The stuff. But I know I have I have had I almost imagine as like an incubator of testing stuff and seeing what works and and what, and gosh, we failed. We failed so many freaking times and I will still continue to fail again and again because we keep trying things. But I know her so well. Okay, so
0: freaking well. I'm going to take us off track a little bit because those that are listening, they struggle with this. They don't know her or Mm -hmm. him. We call it your ideal customer avatar and they struggle. yeah How do you know her so well?
1: I interact with her every
0: day for a decade.
1: So so social media for me was just reading the comments, responding to DMs, sending the emails back. I really have built the millions of followers one single person at a time. The you know, girl, wash your face. Like, yay. It was so good. Thank God. Um, it was meaning, so good. Meaning the response to it. Not yeah. like the book is so good, but the response to the book was so good. And people are like, how did you know? It amazing. I wrote a book that were, these are the 20 lies in my life, but they were the 20 questions I got most often. I was just answering her. The conference was women sending me notes saying, man, I really want a chance to get away from my kids. And man, I really would love, would you ever do a live event? And we created it for her. The podcast was for her the, the second podcast was for her. We're having the response that we have because I stopped, like the style is entirely my own, but the content is in a response to what she's asking for. And I think that what a lot of people struggle with, it's not that you don't know your customer or your client. Yeah, It's that you don't want to do what they're asking you for. Oh,
0: this is right? probably the best part of the whole right? interview. Right? It's
1: like, you have a vision for what you want your business to be. Yes. And you keep fighting like a salmon swimming upstream. You're like, no, I'm going to show you. And your customers over there are going, no, what we really love is this, though. Years ago, I was basically, how many times in my life do I see? Years ago, I was at a conference. <laughs> I really love conferences. You know this. Yes. But I was at a conference, and I got to see Miriam Nafisi, who founded Minted. Oh, I'm yes. Gonna, sorry, I'm going to have a. It's okay. Do I do it all it. the time. Right. So incredible. And the one thing that I remember, and this has got to be like 10 years ago, she said, follow the signs of life. Stop trying to do what you think needs to be done and pay attention to what they're asking you for. Mm. Um, the, the example was Minted originally started. And if you're not familiar with Minted, it's a website where you can get um, prints and cards, cards. and just different. It's like all of these paper products, but it's made by local artists and creatives and whatever. So, you've got just this massive collection of incredible things to choose from. Plus, these artists might norm- not normally have a way to get their work out into the world. So, she had started, I think, an online stationery company. Okay. And they got funding, and it was supposed to be this huge deal, and it was like, bailing. Like, we are going to go bankrupt. Holy crap, we've lost everybody's money. And she said, she's like stressed out and crying, whatever. And there was only one part of the website that worked. Like there was only one thing people came to, only one thing that they cared about. And it was every month they did a contest where artists and graphic designers could submit a picture that they liked. And if you won, Minted would put that picture on cards and sell them and you got a cut of it. Okay. It was the only thing anyone cared about. And she was like, we're going to fail anyway. Let's just pay attention to this. Well, now, I mean, I don't even know what meant to work. It's huge, right? Uh, uh, like hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. And that's the entire basis for the business. Wow. So follow the signs of life was something I had heard. And Gary Vee talks about this a lot, like not being so precious about what you think it's supposed to be. So I was a food blogger. Guys, I was a food blogger. And there were, as a food blogger, there's trends in food. So there were seasons where cupcakes were everything. And all I did was cupcake recipes. And then there were seasons where it was casseroles. And all I did was casseroles. And I just kept paying attention to what she wanted and serving it to her in a way that felt authentic to me. Right. But we are where we are because I have that relationship. And I think that the audience responds to like, oh crap, you're listening.
0: Yes. There's a lot of loyalty there because they know you're listening and you genuinely care. And that's very clear in everything that Rachel does. But what I want to do is I want to really fast, before we wrap up, I've got to talk a little bit more about persistence because I got us off track with the ideal customer avatar, but I knew my audience needed to hear that. But this idea of persistence, I just want to run through some things really fast. You ready? Yeah. This this overnight success you've had looks like this. Yeah. Eight years to get on the Today Show. Mm -hmm. Six books, five years to hit the bestseller list, four years, thousands of photos to hit 100,000 followers on Instagram. And you said it never went as fast as you wanted it to go. No, not ever. You know, I think if you are an entrepreneur,
1: you are always trying to like, how do we speed this up? Or how do we get there quicker? or What are the things that we can do? And I do think that we've built this incredible infrastructure because we've had that time. And I don't think that I would have had the success that I'm having now if, I, if it hadn't taken as long.
0: Yeah, because yeah. you said you're not into deadlines like no. uh, on a goal.
1: I hate that. I, the, and it's something I always hear is people would say a, a goal has to be it has to have a deadline. It has to be measurable. And it has to be. Um, what is the other what's one? What's the other one?
0: Oh, no. Specific. Okay.
1: Specific. So I hate that because if I gave my goals timelines, I would have given up on all of them. It takes so much longer than you think that it will. But I remember this when we were going through our adoption process and we were, um, we had had several failed adoptions and I didn't want to keep going. And I remember I was in the backyard with my husband and I'm I'm crying. I'm trying to tell him like, I don't, I I can't do this anymore. It's too painful. And I don't want to go through this with this. And my husband was like, Rachel, our desire did not go away because it got hard. And the time is going to pass anyway. The time, like you're listening to this right now and you're an entrepreneur and you're struggling and you're like, it's taking so long. That time will pass anyway, whether it's a year or 10 years. Wouldn't you rather spend that time in pursuit of the person you want to be or the life you want to have or the business you want to build? And if you have, if if you're having the same year where you're losing money again and you're you need to take an honest look at what's going on and how you can rearrange that. Because I do think that people make financial mistakes because they're like, man, Rachel and Amy said I got to stick with it. And they said mm. I got to go all in. Yeah, but you, you have to also be self-aware. I do think that you should continue to pursue the goals of your heart. But I think you should do them with self-awareness. But if you, if it is working, if you're not going into a debt and you're, you're making it, but it's just sort of eking like a little bit more this year and a little bit more this year, you have to keep moving forward. If I, I'm not going to say my numbers right now, I'll tell Amy later, <laughs> but how long I spent at like a hundred thousand dollars and then 150,000, I didn't have massive, like one to the next. But my annual revenue was like this for the longest time. And then it just went like that.
0: Big spike for those of you listening, not watching.
1: Oh, sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, that made no sense if you couldn't see what I was doing. But um, it was years and years of, okay, you made $10,000 more this year than you did last year. Because if I struggled with anything, really, I struggled with monetizing what I was creating. I knew how to build the audience. I knew how to go deeper. I knew how to get that engagement. I didn't know how to turn that into a business that was making the kind of money that I dreamed we could make. Imagine if you gave up because you thought
0: this is not working.
1: Right? And I knew, I always could see that it was working with the customer. I knew there was something there. Even at our first conference, which we lost so much freaking money. Oh, my gosh. It was so bad. I've been there. It was so bad. But... I could feel it. I could feel her reaction. And I always, my audience to me is always like a person. Like I'm always talking about a friend because I think if you need to be imagining in your head, like who are you creating this for? It's for her. Yes. And so you could feel her reaction to things. And I was like, man, I do not know how to make money off this, but dang, I do know that I'm onto something. And if I had walked away at any point, even right now, frankly, um, it's hard. This yes. is hard. And I've had this conversation. We've had this kind of conversation 50 times lately, me and Dave, is I wonder how many people have been where I am right now with their business or maybe people like singer-songwriters or actors or whatever, where they work forever, forever, forever. Then they experience crazy success and they decide I'm out. They're
0: out. That's I knew you were going to
1: say that. I am so curious because when I was just – head down, doing the work, grinding, trying to get it done. Nobody cared. Nobody cared what I was doing. And that was fine because I could pursue my dreams. And I was a hustler and I did my thing. And now people are watching. And Mm -hmm. now people are attacking. And now there's all of this stuff that feels like crazy to me. Because I'm like, I'm writing, you know, books about trying (laughs) to make you laugh and trying (laughs) to make you pursue your dreams. Like, I'm not kicking puppies. (laughs) Like, I'm not, you know, I'm like, I'm the one. You're going yes. to, like, trips me out how hard it is to get to this level and how many people are like, you know what? Never mind. Yeah. This is too hard. I, no I think there are a lot. Too.
0: That's why I love to see you just keep plowing through every single day. I know it can't be easy, but you're you're making a huge difference for all of us, which, thanks. You're just leading me right into stuff. Oh, my gosh. this next thing, it's, it's like a perfect segue I want to wrap up by saying this. You've devoted two books to the idea that you are in control of your life and capable of anything you set your heart and mind to. Yeah. I get why that is so incredibly important, but I want to know why you keep showing up. Why is it incredibly important to you? Why don't you just say this is this is too much? Yeah,
1: I think at this point it's I feel like every time I'm I'm feeling really discouraged, I feel like god and the universe will show me something will give me an opportunity to talk to someone or will show me something where i realize the impact Mm -hmm. that this thing you know that the book or that my work or that the conference have had on like one person's life yes and there you know that old the starfish you know that starfish analogy no so this is an old story but there's um, an old man, and he's walking down a beach, and he comes along. Um, washed up on the shore are thousands of starfish. Okay. And there's a little five-year-old boy, and he's picking up the starfish one after another, throwing it back in the water, throwing it back in the water. And this old man just watches this little boy over and over, one after another, throwing the starfish. And the old man comes up to the boy, and he says, you know, buddy, like, what are you doing? There's, there's thousands of starfish. You'll never get to them all. And the little boy picks up a starfish, and... You know, keeps going. The old man's like, "Buddy, like you're not going to make a difference. There's too many." And he grabs on the starfish and he throws it back in the water. And he said, "But that one, Ugh. like I made a difference to that one." And so I feel like whenever, whenever I'm feeling tired or discouraged, I really do think that something shows up and or meet someone at the airport or someone will say, "I left an abusive relationship because." of that book or um, you know, I gave it to my daughter or I let go of shame or I went back to therapy or whatever it is. Um, So honestly, that's, that's a big like help to kind of keep pulling me in that direction. There's also, uh, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say that there is a part of me that has a lot of pride about doing something that has been an entirely male dominated industry. Yes. um, That, there aren't other women who get paid to speak what I get paid or who sell books in the personal development space at this clip. Like Everybody else is a dude. And really, I got into everything that you see now because I would go to all these conferences and I would just wonder, why aren't there any women on stage. Yes. Or, um, I would listen to all the business things and be like, why is only Amy Porterfield here? Like where, 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 why are there not more women in the business category of podcasts? Yeah. Like I, I just kept trying to create what I wish that I could see. And so it, you know, it's a little bit of like, I'm proud of what I've done. And so then that makes you think, well, what else is there?
0: Well, there's, <laughs> where there's Oprah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're headed somewhere. We're um, headed somewhere. Um, yeah. And I think, like, I don't know if I know any other way. Like, you know, people are like, oh, I want to retire. Like, yes. I'm like, what would you even do? You know, I can never see yeah. you saying that. Yeah. If you're an entrepreneur, like a true entrepreneur at yeah. heart, and you've been doing it for so long, I don't know how you could
0: ever not do something. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that because I think you got a lot more books in you. Thank you. Well, thank you for this, Rachel, so very much. Guys, the book is on sale now. So girls, stop apologizing. You got to get your hands on it. And thanks again for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So there you have it. I hope you loved this episode as much as I have. I know this one was different than most and it definitely had an element of silliness to it, but hopefully you thought that was a lot of fun and it's nice to change things up. So having Rachel over at my house recording this podcast episode, definitely a new experience for me and I absolutely loved it. I was so scared that the technology was not going to come through. You guys know me and technology. We're not always best friends. And throughout the entire interview, I did keep thinking, oh my gosh, I hope this is recording properly since I didn't use my traditional podcast equipment that I always use. So, Thank goodness it all worked okay. I want to give you one more tip, and that is if you're interested in Girls Stop Apologizing, I highly recommend you getting the physical book so you could take notes and write down the quotes that you love and just really flip through the book at any given time because I think all the chapters are great to come back to and just refresh your memory on any of them to give you that little extra boost of inspiration and motivation when you need it. But I also think you should listen to the book on Audible. And I'm definitely going to do so. And the reason why I know it's going to be excellent is because when I listened to Girl Wash Your Face on Audible, it was the best audio book I've ever listened to. Rachel just has a way of reading her own books. I mean, she's just really, really good Plus, she took a year of acting, like she was in theater school. So she brings an element of entertainment that I don't think all audiobooks bring. So it is really, really worth it to get it on Audible as well. Well, I'm going to do both, and so I wanted to give you that little tip. Okay, so thank you so much for tuning in and allowing me to switch things up this week. Like I said, I hope you really enjoyed this episode, and next week episode 255, it's all about getting unstuck. Specifically, the title of the episode is What's Keeping You Safe is What's Keeping You Stuck. And we're going to talk about moving past some of the things that are keeping you stuck or another way to look at it, keeping you playing small. And you know our theme for 2019, we're playing a bigger game. So I really want to encourage you to listen next week. I think there's something in there that you're going to find very, very valuable, no matter where you are in your journey of building your business. All right. I cannot wait to see you again. Same time, same place. I'll talk to you again soon. Bye for now.